literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Hello again, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm J.B. Hager. I'm Michael Barn. We're with the Austin American Statesman, and this is going to be fun and interesting because we probably all read or something in, in school, elementary school, about Sam the Space Monkey. Sam the Space Monkey. Did not know Sam. It was out of Austin. He was right. an Austinite, basically. If... He was born in Austin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In 1957 at Balcones Research Center, picked out of 15 candidates... What type of, uh, not that I'm an expert on monkeys, what type What type of- Indian uh, rhesus monkey. Okay, small, that's a small guy, right? Right, right. Okay. How did this ended up being, uh, coming out of Austin? Well, let's back up a little bit, uh, and let's warn uh, listeners that there are parts of the story that are inherently disturbing, uh, and uh, we, we're not going to skip over that, um, but- um, during World War II, uh, a, a chunk of North Austin, or pretty much where the new soccer stadium is going in, um, was a magnesium plant. Magnesium was mined and used in, in firearms and in explosives. There was a big complex up there, including a big red brick building. And then when the war was over, the engineers at the University of Texas asked if that that could be turned over to them for all kinds of experiments. You know, we had LBJ on our side, and so it became the Balcones Research Center, later called the Pickle Research Center, after our congressman, J.J. Pickle. Mm -hmm. All these experiments were going on there, including about 900 primates that were being used in, in live experiments. Now, this is something that... At the time, the military controlled, they were testing radiation on them, mm-hmm. G-forces, all these other things. So, from one point of view, it is a sad part of our history. And there, there was no PETA at this time. No PETA at this time. And these things you know, were going on behind closed doors. Exactly. The yeah. military wasn't telling anybody about sure. it. And in fact, they were involved in an active PR campaign. I mean, Sam the rhesus monkey who'd been put through tons of these dangerous experiments to see what the effect of various space phenomena on a a human body might be they made him into a media star first they had a popular uh, newspaper columnist do a column in his voice you know, you know, my fun time in space, <laughs> which like a mock interview. Yeah, like a mock interview <laughs> like, <laughs> that caught on. And then they they uh, came up with a series of children's book about Sam, the space monkey hmm. and his girlfriend, Samantha. And there were all these these fun cartoons, which do not represent at all what happened to Sam in space. Right. And, and Sam's name, by the way, was 11X. That was his real name. It was tattooed on him. But Sam survived. And the name Sam was an acronym. School of Aviation Medicine. Yeah, which was in in San Antonio. 
and which became the School of Aerospace Medicine. So they were the ones directing the experiments. And in fact, eventually the whole primate group moved down to San Antonio and was no longer in Austin. But Sam was an Austinite. He, he was born here. This launch into space happened in 1959 in Virginia, Wallops Island, Virginia. Right. right. I didn't know. You know, it's not a town you think of when you think about no, I, I, testing I, I, in space, right? Quite frankly, until I did this article, I never heard of it. Never heard of it either. And so Sam traveled at well over 3,000 miles per hour, 55 miles into the air. Mm-hmm. And l- like you picture from that era, a capsule landing in the ocean. And they went and got him and checked him out. Now, we're talking about a capsule, you know, not much bigger than a shoebox. You know, it's, it was a... Uh, do people still have shoeboxes? <laughs> it was a tiny little capsule. It was crammed in there. But they had come up with a life support system by just rigging together whatever they could find. And he survived. Sure, he wasn't happy. Went on to live a long life. Followed the other primates down to San Antonio and ended up retiring to the San Antonio Zoo. Where he lived for like 11 years, right? Yeah. Was Sam famous at the San Antonio Zoo? Did everyone, did they continue to market that or was it just a primate you in the zoo? You know, that's a good question. I never, I've never. Uh, Maybe uh, they just had the, a plaque, a plaque outside the window that pointed out that. He, that he, here was one of the first primates in space very important you said one of the first right he was not the first mm-hmm. they had done it numerous times in fact the first one well as early as 1946 they were launching up fruit flies <laughs> <laughs> right. no, they weren't going to take any chances then they started coming up with animal life support systems and they set up mice hamsters cats dogs rhesus monkeys and uh, some of these went up in a high altitude balloons and others in rocket ships. And Gordo, a squirrel monkey, took a Jupiter rocket ship up in 1958, so a year before Sam. Abel, a rhesus monkey, and Baker, a squirrel monkey, followed up in tests in early 1959, again, before Sam. And they had to fabricate special chairs and a special suit for mm-hmm. Sam and all that. Whenever you talk about the early years of any science, there's a lot of exciting stories involved. For instance, radiobiologist and physiologist H.L. Lou Bitter went home for lunch one day and told his wife Edna that his team needed something that was both heat-resistant and had straps to keep the monkey restrained. Did she have any ideas? Well, eyeballing her ironing board, Edna stripped off the silver padded cover making two panels. After cutting out a small hole in the, for the monkey's head in one panel, Bitter fashioned ties out of the remaining material to hold the panels together. So in other words, the thing that was protecting the body of Sam was an ironing board cover. <laughs> <laughs> Only the best. Yeah. Although you hear the stories about, you know, if you watched Apollo 13, I mean, it was... There, there, there's tons more computing power in our phones right. than there right. was at the time. Everything was risky, even with, with humans yeah. at that time, and kind of makeshift. And I, I got this story out of a gentleman named Jim Johnson, who I've, I've really grown from. Tell me who Jim Johnson he was. He was a lab tech there okay. at, you know, where they were doing the research. And he went on to work with 
Dr. Pelfrey, who put together the diagnosis clinics that we have today that, that uh, tell us what's in our blood. And Jim had turned me on to Dr. Pelfrey, had turned 100. And then he turned me on to a story about the Kite Festival. And now he's telling me a story about Sam, this space monkey, and go, are you going for my job? He is so... <laughs> but he had taken a memoir class with a few other people and everybody in that class, some informal class at a senior center, everybody in that class had great stories for me. And I mm. just said, keep them coming. Keep them coming. <laughs> you have a knack for finding these people. <laughs> a real talent. In fact, when we get to more and more suggestions for future shows, whether you've written about them or not, you know, it might be an interesting person that, that you recommend. Yeah. And turn into an article. and potentially make a new a future volume of indelible austin you never know well one just came back to me today volume four oh. of the, the typescript uh, uh, i picked it up from my editor and we're expecting it out in the spring once the whenever the pandemic spring over. of 2021 yes that would be volume four very very cool here's a quick email and we do uh, appreciate you sending in any any input suggestions like we had just mentioned uh eleanor bryant writes love the tribute to heb those outside Central Texas may not get it, but they may soon get to understand. Uh, you have already heard this, but HEB just opened a Lubbock location a couple weeks ago. Good for Lubbock. <laughs> Keep up the good work. I thought I'd share that a friend suffering from dementia has enjoyed hearing your stories of old-time Austin. When the recent memory fails, the historical memory prevails. Thanks again, Eleanor. That choked me up when I that sweet? read that. That's really sweet. Thank you for writing in, Eleanor. We appreciate it. And you can write to us as well. M. Barnes at statesman.com or J. Hager, H-A-G-E-R, at statesman.com. Don't forget to pick up your copies of Indelible Austin. And in 2021, you can get volume four. Right. <laughs> Add it to the collection. Thanks for tuning in. Happy trip. Happy trip.